Five years ago, Asif Kapadia gave us the captivating documentary Senna, which detailed the short and very fast life of the late Formula One champion. Part of what made Kapadia's film so successful was his decision to use only found footage of Senna's life. Because so much of Senna's life was so public, a lot of what we saw in the documentary we had already seen on television and live, which meant that not only had we literally lived it before, Watching the images of Senna taking the checkered flag allowed us to momentarily recall those moments as our moments. At other times in the film, Kapadia used previously unseen footage of Senna's life away from the track, granting us unexpected access to Senna's private world. And hearing the testimonies of those people who were part of his world brought us even closer to the events. With his new documentary on Amy Winehouse, Kapadia takes the same technique, but goes in a different direction. Let's start with the titles, Senna and Amy. One uses just a surname, as if declaiming the subject's historical importance. Think of Gandhi, Nixon or Lincoln. The other is a first name, Amy. Why not use her surname? Given the nature of her death, using Winehouse as the title would have suggested a judgment of the singer before the film had even started. Instead, by going with her first name, Kapadia announces an intimate and sympathetic portrait. Of course, the strong similarities between Senna and Amy are that both were extraordinarily talented, both lived in the public eye, and both died tragically young. But where Senna's death was an unexpected and sudden accident, Winehouse's death had been warned against, and so what Kapadia presents is a vulnerable life hurtling in slow motion towards a seemingly inevitable demise. We only Kapadia's decision to limit himself to fan footage displays his commitment to visual testimony. The images speak volumes. Sifting through the hours of home videos of the singer with her family and friends before she became famous, and then coupling those images with the interviews given by those same people after Winehouse's death, Kapadia shows the deep division between Winehouse's life as she lived it and how her friends feel the way she lived it. In that way, we are encouraged to compare and contrast what we are hearing and what we are seeing. For instance, Winehouse spoke of the intense love she had for her boyfriend, Blake Fielder. But Kapadia then shows us Winehouse exiting a hotel. Emerging from the darkness, Fielder follows her, grasps her hand as they walk along a street, and then leads her down into a basement flat. The discrepancy between what we are shown and what Winehouse has said reveals a very deep truth about the singer's emotional vulnerability. Startling and unsettling as that sequence is, what Kapadia does with it is truly extraordinary. He shifts the point of view. Initially, we see Winehouse through the cameras of her friends as she rehearsed, larked, laughed and performed. Then as Fielder leads her to the basement flat, 
we are seeing the events not through the friendly cameras, but the glaring lenses of total strangers. YouTube was launched in 2005, a year before Winehouse's second record, Back to Black. By the time it had become a success, fans were uploading by the thousands videos of her as she performed on stage, as well as glimpses of her walking down the street. The internet intensified her fame to levels the paparazzi never could. And by using the YouTube footage, Capadia subtly implicates us in the spiralling turmoil that beset Winehouse's life after the release of Back to Black. Tonight you're mine completely You give your love so sweetly There is no point in denying it. We all read the tabloid headlines. Some of us bought the papers. We all looked at her on YouTube. Some of us even filmed her. Others trolled in the comments sections. And Capadia gently hints that none of us thought enough about what we were doing. So Amy is an examination not just of the singer, but also of the found footage phenomenon. And Capadia uses it to show us an image of ourselves. As a public, we are voyeuristic, mocking and insatiably indifferent. While we saw Winehouse on stage, sometimes too drunk to sing, we never thought of why she was drinking herself into oblivion and instead mistook her suffering for our entertainment. Capadia could have used many techniques other than found footage to tell the story, but would they have been as effective? The most common technique is a voiceover narrator, which immediately suggests that the voice we hear possesses the full facts and therefore is to be believed. Charles Ferguson's inside job details the collapse of the world's financial markets in 2008. By having Matt Damon narrate the events that resulted in millions of people losing their homes and jobs, his voice becomes the repository of not only truth, but trust. Other documentarians, such as Michael Moore, go further than voiceover narration and physically insert themselves into the events, talking not only directly to the camera, but also interacting with the subjects within the film. In Bowling for Columbine, Fahrenheit 451 and Sicko, Moore uses this to reinforce the idea that he is the most knowledgeable and the most trustworthy. Yet another technique is the use of reconstructed events. 
For a long time, they were used to compensate for missing footage that directors felt was needed in order to support their case. More recently, however, reconstructed events have been used to misdirect the audience so that they come to doubt the director's authority. Sarah Polly's Stories We Tell, in which the director reveals the secrets of her parents' marriage, examines the way we remember, misremember, and choose to forget certain aspects of our past. In order to make her point, Polly used real-life home movies from her childhood, intercut them with interviews of her surviving family, and then, mimicking those same home movies, reconstructed events to encourage viewers to make up their own minds. Capadia doesn't use reconstructed footage to clarify or confuse. Likewise, we never see Capadia on camera, nor do we ever hear him interviewing the people involved. Which means, instead of one narrator, he uses many personal testimonies. His technique is a mosaic of sound and image, offering multiple and sometimes contradictory points of view in order to deliver a wider truth. There's a saying oh, says the love is blind. Still we offer to seek and he shall find. So I'm going to seek a certain land I've had in mind. The truth is that Amy is an age-old story set in the modern world, revealing once again the profound need for personal connection and of an even deeper personal frailty. As told by Capadia, Winehouse's story is a mixture of talent, ambition and naivety, vision and myopia, friendship and loyalty, but also dishonesty. Capadia shows us the care that comes from family and friends, but also the carelessness from some of those same people. In other words, Capadia has again managed to take a story we all think we know and, sifting through the testimonies of those who are closer to the events, stitch them together so the story ends up being much bigger than those events. For a film about a musician, there is considerably less music than you might expect. Instead of a jukebox documentary, we are shown how art is drawn from personal experience. Capadi was granted access to the singer's original music and lyric sheets. Seeing her handwritten lyrics, and then hearing Winehouse give voice to those lyrics, what we get is an artist delivering a testimony of her own life. A soundtrack telling everyone of her feelings, her joys, fears and sufferings. If only those people closest to her had made the connections. I told you I was troubled It's what great artists do. They take things that you and I consider separate and make connections. However, while Winehouse could clearly connect with a huge audience, her difficulty to personally connect is made poignantly clear by the episode in the film where Fielder, high on heroin, accidentally cut himself and then Winehouse broke a bottle to inflict upon herself a corresponding wound. As I said, if only those closest to her had made the connections. 
Amy is an extraordinary and deeply upsetting film, and I can't even begin to imagine what it must be like for the late singer's family and friends. My heart is sad and lonely For you I sigh For you dear only Why haven't you seen it? I'm all for you, body and soul I spent my days in a hunger And wondering why it's evil I tell you, I mean it I'm all for you, body and soul I can't believe it It's hard to conceive it That you turn away romance oh. Are you pretending?